Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. In light of the COVID-19 pandemic, millions of people have transitioned uh, to working from home. Does that include you? Unfortunately, this new reality has blurred the lines between our personal lives and our professional lives, leaving many of us struggling to set healthy boundaries. If anything, the challenge will become even more difficult this autumn if your school-age children do not return to class full-time. And the bad news, here are a couple of findings from a recent Glint survey of remote employees. Employees who struggle balancing work and home are 4.4 times more likely to exhibit signs of burnout, and survey participant comments indicate that burnout doubled from March 2020 to April 2020, increasing from 2.7% to 5.4%. And the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted not just employees working from home, it's fairly easy to guess which group suffered a similar dramatic uptick in burnout, and that's physicians and healthcare professionals. And in face of spiraling rates of burnout amongst doctors and medical staffs, Stanford professor, physician, and best-selling author Greg Hammer, M.D., created GAIN, G-A-I-N, a four-step proven path to personal resilience and happiness, and he's here to discuss this GAIN method with us today. And here's a summary of Dr. Hammer's outstanding biography. Greg Hammer is a pediatric intensive care physician and a pediatric anesthesiologist who cares for infants and children of all ages, as well as their families as they endure highly stressful times. He's a popular guest lecturer, frequently speaks with physicians and medical professionals around the world, He's also a professor at Stanford University Medical School, a member of the Stanford WellMD Initiative, and currently chair of the Physician Wellness Task Force for the California Society of Anesthesiologists. And he's a best-selling author whose latest book, released just this May 2020, is Gain Without Pain, the Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals. Although written for medical professionals, a lot of what Hammer, Dr. Hammer has to say applies to other folks, especially those of us currently working from home. And hello, Dr. Greg Hammer. We're extremely honored to have you as our guest today on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. And I must comment, with a host of accomplishments and responsibilities like yours, it's truly remarkable that you're able to avoid burnout yourself. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for having me, Roy. First of all, it's a pleasure to be with you. And, um, yes, in fact, uh, I think that I've experienced burnout myself at times during my career. Um, you know, burnout is the result of 
stress, which can be either internal stress or external stress. Yeah, or and a combination of <laughs> Pardon me? Or a combination of the two. <laughs> yes, exactly. And the lines between them are, are very much blurred in many cases. But um, as a result of that stress, we become emotionally and physically fatigued. Yeah. So I, I agree with you, and, and you presented the data. Burnout is on the rise, especially during the COVID pandemic, yeah. amongst all of us, regardless of our profession. Yeah, whether we're working at home or uh, away from home, it's still it's very stressful times. Absolutely. Sure. Yes, and I, the stresses are different, perhaps, for those of uh, your listeners who are working at home. Uh, the stresses include just the loss of boundary between their personal life and their work life and feeling uh, caged in and uh, unable to connect with their loved ones who aren't living in the home and sheltering in place with them. So there are, there are really many causes of stress and uncertainty and burnout amongst those at home as well as those at work. Well, let's add one further complication. One of our suburbs here in Des Moines, Iowa, announced today a hybrid school opening beginning next month, rotating one day in class and one day off for students in all grades. And I understand the L.A. school district will provide strictly online learning this fall. In circumstances like this, we parents must become full or part-time teacher's assistants as well. Is this possible? How can we serve not only as parents and employees, but also educators navigating work, child care, and school assignments, monitoring progress to ensure that our kids are keeping up and learning while at the same time we get our own work done? <laughs> we can do that. Very difficult. In fact, I think a lot of the school systems that are planning on uh, invoking a hybrid response uh, uh, program, as you suggested, where and there's a variety of possibilities for that. Some of them will have kids attending only in the morning while their yeah. class, class, other classmates will be attending only in the afternoon. Uh, some will stay in the same classroom while the teachers rotate rooms. Uh, others, as you suggested, in Los Angeles and other hotspots will be strictly learning at home. And uh, you know, depending on the age of the child, some of the older yeah. children may do just perfectly well being instructed at home. Uh, they're computer yeah. savvy. They have more of an attention span. But the younger kids, uh, especially those that may have a little bit of an attention deficit, are having a very hard time. And so for so many reasons, it's very stressful for the children and also very stressful for their parents. Yeah, I, I read an article recently I talked about on last week's program in the Wall Street Journal saying if you start uh, as homeschooling, as you will need to do with this pandemic, goodbye to your career. <laughs> so it would be a very difficult uh, balancing that you'd have to perform, I would think. Yes, you know, well, so many people are out of work, and so yeah. it may be more feasible for them. And for others who are currently still employed, who now have to deal with the situation where their kids are at home full-time or part-time, uh, you know, I'm hoping that their employers are, are going to be empathetic and uh, the changes and difficulties that they're going through at this time will be temporary. And once we get things yeah. under control, hopefully within the next year, things will change. But yeah. as you said, for now, uh, we're in a very difficult situation and it's very stressful and stress breeds burnout. And, and so we're sort of back to 
having come first circle where we started. Well, let's dive into your GAIN method for stress relief and burnout avoidance. To begin, what four words do the letters of the acronym GAIN stand for? GAIN represents what I think are the pillars of resilience and happiness, and those are gratitude, acceptance, intention, and non-judgment. Well, let's and, uh, cover you know, each of these four, four words in turn. What does gratitude have to do with stress avoidance? Certainly very well, few of us are grateful for COVID-19 and the disruptions it's causing and how difficult, at least in the short term, life has become. What do we have to be thankful for and, and express gratitude for? Well, that's an excellent question, Roy. The fact is that we all deal with pain and suffering, whether it's being exposed to the pain and suffering going on throughout the world, which is always present, and also being uh, exposed to our own pain and suffering, our own loss. Um, and, you know, our brains actually are wired to have a negativity bias, so we tend to gravitate towards the negative. And so gratitude is so essential because as bad as one thinks things are, they could always be much worse. Yeah. So just take, for example, the current COVID pandemic. I would invite your readers to go online and whether it's YouTube or written material, experience the horrors of the great influenza pandemic from 1918. And yeah. one can easily see how much worse things were. There were 50 million deaths approximately worldwide. Uh, they were, uh, there were dead bodies piling up in homes. There weren't enough trucks to carry the bodies away, not enough caskets to put them in, not enough burial space, mass graves were created, uh, health care was non-existent, people were isolated, and there was really obviously no Internet and really no way for people to even stay in touch virtually with their loved ones, and one can go on and on. So as bad as things are now, they could certainly be much, much worse. And, and we can also and I be think grateful if our families and ourselves aren't presently infected with uh, COVID-19, and we can do all we can to continue to avoid that and be grateful that we have steps we can take to do that. Absolutely. And, and I think that gratitude is a matter of really rewiring our brains with our intention, uh, which is the I in gain, and those yeah. four elements are really interrelated. But we can rewire our negative ways of thinking toward a more positive way by focusing on what we have and not what we don't have. And when we yeah, focus on what we have, point. we tend to think positive and we're much more grateful. And then yeah, this we becomes sort of a, can focus on all the advantages we have over people in third world countries who uh, absolutely. You know, live in maybe a hut or don't have running water, even don't have TV or anything. I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse. but Well, you know, much of technology has a, is a double-edged sword. But, I, I yeah. you know, I would invite people just along the lines of what you just said, Roy, to next time they're standing in their shower, just think of the miracle of yeah. warm water coming out of the shower faucet. And, yeah. you know, it seems like a very trivial thing. But, you know, imagine the, the technology and, and the amount of work necessary to get that water cleaned and filtered and uh, pressurized and heated and sent to their home through the plumbing system and come out the shower head. And, you know, we have access to clean water in which to shower and bathe and clean water to drink. This is really not something to be taken for granted. And again, going back to the 
influenza pandemic 100 years ago or so, yeah. clean water was uh, in short supply. The things yeah. we take for granted for which we can really remind ourselves to be grateful are myriad. Well, let's turn to the A, the acceptance. It's obvious it does no good to fret over bad circumstances we find ourselves in, which we have no control over, especially to blame someone else or blame the faith or whatever. But in the Gaines formula, please advise how accepting things the way they are help in preventing burnout. Sure. Well, I, I will just tell my own story or a little slice of it. When I decided to go into intensive care medicine for children, I knew that there was going to be a lot of death and dying and a lot of pain and suffering on part of the patients and at least as much on the part of their families. And so, yeah, I can't imagine telling a parent that their poor child had passed away or something. Be yeah, and so I, I, I realized that's something I was going to have to confront and really sit with and get used to. And it sort of led me to understand that acceptance is so vital. And, you know, no matter how bad it seems, if we take something that is causing ourselves pain and suffering and we sit with it and we close our eyes and we focus on our breath and we do our gain meditation and we come to the A for acceptance and actually just visualize opening our chest and opening our heart and letting this pain and suffering in gradually. Uncomfortable yeah, we have to at let first. the pain in if we're ever going to recover from it. Exactly. And I think we have to accept it and we have to bring it close and really merge with it yeah. until the answer to the question, can I live with this pain forever, is yes. And so yeah. it, it takes our purposefulness, again, our intention in order to teach ourselves how to do this, but rather than just resist everything that's uncomfortable in the world, which magnifies the suffering, what we need to learn to do is accept things. And it, it's a huge uh, a pillar of, of resilience and happiness to be able to learn how to accept things that we yeah. can't change, things which cause pain and suffering. From reading your book, I noted that you and I have experienced very similar circumstances. Your son died at age 29, which would be extremely hard to accept. Our uh, 30-year-old daughter, Kristen, was killed piling a uh, banner plane over the San Diego Chargers football game. And, you know, that's been very tough to accept. But on the other hand, we can't sit around for 12, 13 years and fret over it because it's a, a fact and we have to accept the fact and move on and celebrate the life she had. So. Well, I, I agree with you. It sounds like you have a very good attitude, Roy. I have to say when I sit every morning and do my brief gain meditation, um, get centered on my breath, go through things for which I'm grateful, when I come to acceptance, the first thing that is always foremost in my mind is my beautiful boy's death at the age of 29 and the pain that is associated with that. And I, I literally envision my heart opening up and the pain and suffering associated with that just coming co closer and closer until I merge with it. And, oh. and often in my, uh, on my gratitude side, as you just expressed, which is very beautiful, I, I feel grateful that we had 29 years together. And yeah. so, again, it's, it's focusing on what we have rather than what we don't have. Yeah, that's so true. Well, how about this uh, term intention? Are you telling us we should have a clear intent as to the result we would like to see happen in everything we do? How does this uh, intention come to mind? 
uh, as things continue to get more and more muddled and difficult. Well, exactly as you said, that's part of the, the solution is, is imagining the goal we have in mind and using our purposefulness or intention to accomplish that goal. But I think in general, you know, as I said, we, we tend to be obsessed with the past and the future, and our happiness really occurs when we're in the present moment. So that's one thing we can aim our intention at. And the other thing is our negativity bias, and that keeps yeah. coming up because it's so important in the way we think and, and it's such a cause for unhappiness. So we can use our intention to rewire our brains from be, being very negative and, and being stuck in the future and the past by using our intention. And a great example of that is a program at Duke University called Three Good Things. Huh. And what the investigators have shown in the tens of thousands of people enrolled in their study is that simply by thinking of three good things that happen during the day when we're getting ready to go to bed, we sleep better and we become happier over time. So this is an example of rewiring our brains from the negative bias that we have toward a more positive way of looking at things. And it reminds us how much control we have over our thoughts. Yeah. And so that's something we need to do on purpose. Uh, you know, John Kabat-Zinn defined mindfulness as being present on purpose, non-judgmentally. And I think that embraces several of the gain concepts. Well, I can uh, imagine how wonderful it is in your life when you your intent is in the present moment, every child you're uh, treating to have the intent that that child live a long and healthy life, even if sometimes it tragically fails, you have that positive intent and you're concentrated on the moment and uh, making that happen, it would make a world of difference, I would think. Yeah, at times, you know, it's, it's not realistic to have that intention. If a child is dying of cancer or yeah. some other congenital or chronic disease or even an acute traumatic incident, uh, the intention is just to be present and be present with the family and, again, be appreciative for the time we had with the child or, or they had with the child and, and be as uh, – gracious and, and grateful as possible. And to make the last few hours of the child's life as meaningful as possible and as positive as possible. I can see that. Absolutely. Well, how about the fourth word, non-judgment? Are you telling us that uh, when bad things happen, we should not go back and blame ourselves for what we did, and, but we only analyze past failures with the intent to learn from our mistakes and do better the next time? I assume that's what you're talking about there that is part of it but even even kind of more broadly Roy we, we you know we are constantly comparing other people to ourselves and others yeah. to others and labeling everything as bad or good that person is smarter than I am I'm better looking than that person that person's <laughs> too fat this is bad that's good it's, it's really exhausting and uh, it takes a lot of energy and it doesn't make us feel good yeah, and not so, judgment of others as well as of ourselves. That you make a absolutely, good point there. and and most harshly ourselves, but just of the world in general. We are better off if we can learn that the world is what it is. We didn't create it. We're not going to cure it. Let's just open our hearts and embrace it, just exactly the way it is, without labeling it good or bad. And and that I wish kind all of, the politicians would listen to your advice right now during <laughs> this hideous election. <laughs> Yes, well, that's a whole other uh, whole other hour right there, I'm sure. But I think that, you know, sitting, letting go of judgment, Roy, uh, along with being grateful 
accepting and purposeful or intentional. Really, I think those are the four pillars of resilience, and um, each of them is equally important. Well, if I may, I'd like to briefly discuss your brand-new book, Gain Without Pain, the Happiness Handbook for Healthcare Professionals. And as one Amazon reviewer phrases it, Gain Without Pain provides insight into how to transform personal and professional challenges into strength and wisdom. And although it was written specifically for healthcare professionals, will employees of whatever discipline who must work from home also benefit? I certainly hope so, Roy. I think people who are working at home and and not working at home could benefit because as we've been discussing, and maybe your readers have a a sense of what my mission and and what my message is, that uh, the GAIN principles and the GAIN meditation and practicing these elements during the day really are so vital for all of us. The book about healthcare is full of stories about healthcare, yeah. Um, you know, a physician who's burnt out and, and his story and so on. Lots of stories related to healthcare, but really not limited to those in the healthcare profession. No, I, your book promises a significant path to happiness, resilience, and thriving that takes as little as three minutes a day. Can you give us a brief overview of this three minute daily exercise? It sounds like sure. something certainly worth doing. Yes. I, I, you know, I, I taught meditation to my medical students, residents, and fellows, and they, their most common complaint was that they didn't have enough time. <laughs> I think also pe- people think meditation means you should sit in one position without moving for a half hour, uh, possibly in an uncomfortable <laughs> position, and, and not have any thoughts in your head. And that's just not realistic. People who yeah. try that fail. And the idea is just to take small steps, but take them every day. And so the the three-minute gain meditation is really just about setting your intention the night before by setting your alarm clock three minutes before you would have otherwise. I don't oh, think I... any of us are going to miss the three minutes of sleep. And no. get up in the morning and open the blinds and do your hygiene and and then just find a comfortable place to sit for three minutes. And this is well described in the book, but get in touch with your breath slowing it down, inhaling to a count of three and holding to a count of two and exhaling without effort to a count of four, and then just contemplating that for which you're grateful. And you can go down a list, you can go deeply into one element, and then transitioning to acceptance, opening your heart, visualizing that to something painful, and then moving to your intention, thinking of three good things that happened to you the day before and making a pledge to be intentionally present today and positive, recognizing what we have instead of what we don't have. And then non-judgment, just contemplating the world just as it is without judgment and pledging perhaps not to judge the first person that you see in the day. So you're driving to work and someone, (laughs) it could be, you know, anybody you see, but, but, you know, like for example, you're driving to work and somebody changes lanes without their turn signal in front of you and you start (laughs) to make a judgment. And the idea is you've pledged not to do that. And so you recognize you're making a judgment. You don't know the person, you don't know the suffering they may be experiencing. Just drop the judgment of bad and you'll notice that it actually kind of feels good to do that. And then yeah, it probably the doesn't really uh, d- delay your arrival at work or wherever you're going by very much anyway. <laughs> no. But, uh, you know, we don't know the other person. It's silly to judge them. And, and after the 
gratitude, acceptance, intention, non-judgment. Come back to the breathing for a couple of slow, deep breaths, and then just very slowly open your eyes. And you're off to a good start for the day, and you can, again, pledge to remember your gratitude, remember your intention, what have you. Um, but yeah. slowly over a period of weeks to months, you'll find that you begin to think differently and look at life differently and, and are a little bit more happy and resilient. Oh, that's great. Well, where's a good place for our listeners to preview and purchase your book, uh, Gain Without Pain? Well, they could go to my website, which is greghammermd.com, G-R-E-G-H-A-M-M-E-R.com. And the book is on Amazon, so if you go to their website and type in in the search box, Gain Without Pain, Greg Hammer, you'll find the book there. But there's a lot more material on greghammermd.com. has lots of interviews and other media, et cetera. Yeah, that, that was a very helpful website. Well, to conclude the interview with Dr. Greg Hammer, I'd like to quote briefly from a couple of Amazon reviewers for his new book, Gain Without Pain. One said, the path toward personal resilience and sustainable happiness, I might add, can be implemented by anyone in just a few minutes a day. Increased resilience could save your practice, career, employment, your family and loved ones, even your life. And whether you're just now for the first time uh, facing the prospect of working remotely from home, have been frustrated doing it for some time, or fear burnout will continue uh, at your office, factory, or out with the crew, I highly recommend Greg Hammer's easy-to-follow, scientifically-based, heart-centered gain approach and how to be happy and fulfilled by serving others, no matter how hectic your day may be. And uh, now, uh, if you can't read the book, also follow Dr. Hammer, or don't just read the book, follow his instructions for as little as three minutes a day. And I understand you mentioned you have another book coming out, a little uh, pocket-sized handbook uh, it's, uh, for non-physicians as well. You might mention Yes, that, that one is just a pocket book. It's called Gain Without Pain, Your Happiness Handbook. Oh, I see. And when will that be available? I guess. Uh, well, uh, the first draft is finished. I just got a book agent, so uh, it'll probably be a few months. Okay, maybe up well, to six people months. can follow you on your website and, and find when it com- it's coming out and get hold of that. But in the meantime, the book you presently have out is well worth the reading. And thank you so much, uh, Dr. Greg Hammer, for joining us today, and best of success on your new book, Gain Without Pain, and on your handbook that's coming out shortly, and in all of the multiple things that you do. I don't know how you're able to do them all. Thank you so much, Roy. It's really been a pleasure being with you. Well, I'm certain you'll agree those are some excellent suggestions for writing out the pandemic. But enough for today of COVID-19 and its impact. Aren't you getting sick of talking about that? And on the remainder of today's program, my guest is going to call your attention to a wonderful new book scheduled for publication next January, but available for pre-order right now. And the book is titled The Soul of Purpose, and it outlines the four cornerstones to a healthy mindset and helps you create a custom-tailored purpose and wellness plan based upon your own unique type. And my next guest is the book's author, Jaya Jaya Myra, and she's the acclaimed wellness expert, author, 
speaker and regular guest on national TV and media, and she's a powerful advocate for natural health, mindfulness, and meditation, showing folks like us practical, simple ways to improve our lives. And regular listeners will recall that Jaya Jaya Myra is a three-time prior guest on this program. Hello, Myra. Welcome back to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me back. Well, as always, we're honored to have you here with us today. Let's talk about your soon-to-be-released book. By the way, the uh, full title, including the subtitle, is The Soul of Purpose, A Step-by-Step Approach to Create a Purpose-Driven Healthy Life. And in your book, uh, you promised to share previously unrevealed secrets about the definitive connection between spirituality, purpose, and health. Perhaps you can give us one or two of these secrets. Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the biggest things that nobody is talking about is really the connection between purpose and health and well-being and how uh, purpose is like this causal seed that was given to you that creates your entire physical body type, shape, and structure. So if you know anything about Ayurveda or traditional Chinese medicine, they're all based like on unique body composition and finding basically a unique way for you to heal yourself based on what your constitution is. But the key is that your purpose for living is really what has created everything about you. So when you're aligned with your purpose, you're naturally aligning yourself with your body's type so that you can stay healthy. I see. So that the purpose then is the foundation for your spirituality and health, and you need to find that purpose to maximize both. I guess is what you're saying. Absolutely, absolutely. As, like as a uh, as a cornerstone of your book, you outline uh, what you label the well method W E L L for uh, changing both mindset and daily habits. Can you please reveal a bit of what the well method is and how it works on changing our minds and our outcomes? Absolutely. So I use the word well as an acronym for four cornerstones that help people to shape a healthy mindset. So, for example, the W stands for work-life harmony. Oh, yeah, we can't have balance. I don't ever use the word balance in my book because I think that that's a misnomer and impractical. But we need to find the things that are important to us and help us harmonize life. Uh, As another example, one of the other L's is to approach life from a standpoint of love and not fear. And so this is something that we tend to forget a lot. You know, we tend to get reactive, and this is a reminder to be responsive to situations, to bring some consciousness into it, and try to always have compassion for other people. So when you start to view your whole life and your actions and what you're doing through these four cornerstones, it helps you to make a more positive impact in your life and also in the life of others. Yeah, now you gave us a couple of the cornerstones. What, what are the other two? One L is uh, love, and and what are the other three again? So the W stands for work-life harmony. So approaching your life from a place of whatever brings you harmony. We, we've all got our own definition of uh, what work-life balance, work-life harmony is. The E is really foundational. That is expect excellence in yourself or enable excellence in others. So we do these uh, through different ways. But expecting excellence 
basically means setting yourself up with some consistent routines and structure that's going to enable you to succeed because the mind thrives on consistency and, and building a win, habits win to help attitude. you succeed. Like you say, excellence for yourself and for others, so you're not being excellent at someone else's expense, in other words. No, absolutely. But sometimes we tend to expect excellence in other people instead of enabling it. And oh, yeah. there, there's, there's a problem with that because we can really hold ourselves to really high standards, but when it comes to relating to other people, it's important to empower and support them so that you're giving them the motivation to succeed and not coming at it like, oh, why didn't you do this? You know, yeah. you, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Like, you can do that to yourself, and that's fine, but it's not okay to do that to others if you want to motivate and encourage them. So it looks at a little bit of both about how to do this for yourself and also the best way to go about enabling excellence in other people so yeah, that they can have high expectations for themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and then uh, live your purpose. L, second yeah. L. Uh, so love, not fear, and also live your purpose. And, again, uh, that's because of the, some of the connections I talked about between purpose and your physical body structure. So your, the way that you innately think, your psychological structure, your temperament, your physical body type is all given to you by God so that you can live your purpose. And if you're living in alignment with that, your health is going to flourish naturally. Uh, I know that you know, Roy, that when I started my journey, I became debilitated with fibromyalgia. And medicine, Western medicine just made me worse. So there was a lot of trial and error in my process of getting better, and I didn't know what to do to get better. So what I did know what to do was I needed to start changing my life so that I was living more in alignment with my values and the things that were important to me. And what I really discovered during my journey was that the exact same things that you're going to do to facilitate purpose and success in life, those are the exact same things that are going to help you to cultivate health and well-being. Yeah, and it's so good when you want to read a book, you want to read one by a person that's actually experienced the problems that the book is helping arm other people against. So it's so good. Very that, true. That very, very that true. Experience. But, uh, well, your book's stated goal is to help each reader to create a custom-tailored purpose and wellness plan based on his or her unique type. Are you telling us that every one of our plans should be uniquely tailored to our own personal talent and objectives? Is this the interpretation correct? Yes, it is, because your talents, your innate gifts that God has given you, the way that you see the world, these all shape your body type and structure and determine that five-element composition that we see in both Ayurveda and Chinese medicine. So the book helps you to identify your elemental constitution and what is going to be the best for you based on that elemental structure. Like uh, a person who tends to be very fiery and have a strong willpower, for example, is gonna need something completely different for mental, emotional, and physical health than someone who say is very loving and nurturing uh, and sensitive, you know? So we all need a little bit of different things to succeed and this book helps you to find what those are based on your temperament and body type. Well, is your book uh, written strictly for individuals currently in ill health or presently unemployed or their private life is in a shambles? What about those of us who are not real healthy maybe but we're okay, kind of dissatisfied with our personal life and career, but we're not actively seeking a radical change? Will the soul and purpose be helpful for us as well? 
Yeah, absolutely, because it can help you to make small tweaks and changes and maybe just bring a little bit more insight into how you can do additional things to bring purpose and meaning into life. Because we all find uh, that as we get older, our purpose will change. Your purpose is not going to be the same when you're 20 as it is when you're 50 or 60. So this book will help you to redefine what your purpose is at any age or stage in life and how to cultivate meaning from it. So us middle-agers can get something out of it then. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because it's looking at the two foundational things that relate to purpose. And one of those is your elemental and your constitution type. But another half of that really relates to your experiences. Like what have you experienced in life? So yeah. maybe between age 20 and 50, you had a ton of experiences that shape your perceptions. And there's things that you want to do to help to cultivate meeting or to help to help other people, uh, and these things definitely impact your sense of purpose. And so the book helps you to tie everything together so that you can find the best approaches so that you feel that you're living a meaningful life no matter what age and stage you're at. Well, finally, a question on a subject very much in the news today. Your book promises to explain how racial and social equality is connected to health and mindset and what we can all do to make the world a better place. I think you touched on this before, but would you please give us one or two suggestions on how we uh, relate to social issues like we're hearing so much about these days? I think that relates to the E and the L and the well method, so enabling excellence in other people and also coming from a place of love and not fear. So yeah. whenever we're, we're facing racial inequality, it's always because people are locked up in fear due to someone being perceived as being different. Yeah, well, if we can eliminate that. something from us. <laughs> someone yeah. different is going to take something from us. So the key is getting rid of that difference. It's more about understanding what unites you with other people and not the things that divide you. I mean, from a genetic standpoint, we're almost 99% similar to a stalk of corn. So why do we think that we're so different from other human beings? <laughs> we want to think we're better, I guess. <laughs> it, it, it's really interesting. I mean, of course, there's a lot of things that go into that. But this whole methodology about changing mindset is really to show you how to connect and unify the pieces of yourself, which is one of the ways that I define spirituality versus religion. So the more that we're working on unifying ourselves, you're going to see that in your external world as well and how we relate to other people and how we find our commonalities and similarities. Yeah. and uh, enable excellence in everyone. And so you start to see this, like the more open that you get to the world and to like the universal energies, that you're more tolerant, you're more compassionate, you're more willing to help everyone. And this is really what society needs right now. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, your book is not actually available for purchase until January 2021, but uh, you can... Uh pre-order it now where should you go if uh, where should listeners go to pre-order the soul of purpose now you can find the book on my website at jayajayamira.com there's a link there to amazon to barnes and noble anyone that orders the book early you can enter yourself into a weekly giveaway to win a session with me so yeah. i'm doing a drawing every single week through the rest of the year the earlier that you buy, the more chances you have to win. Uh, and I don't typically do one-on-ones with people, so this is a, a very special perk for people who buy the book early, and it's like my way to give back and say thank you. 
Well, that's so great. In conclusion, my guest, Jaya Jaya Myra, is a powerful advocate for natural health, mindfulness, and meditation. <clears throat> and today you can pre-order her brand-new book from this wonderful lady, The Soul of Purpose, which will help you create your custom-tailored purpose and wellness plan based upon your very own unique body type, talents, and desires. <clears throat> and I highly encourage you to go to gyragyramyra.com to check it out. That's J-A-Y-A-J-A-Y-A-M-Y-R-A.com. And like me, before I met Myra, I'll bet you never realized the profound connection of your spirituality and health with your life's purpose and how important it is to uncover what that purpose is. And thank you, Myra, for returning today to give us a preview of your new book. Yeah, thank you so much. It's always such a joy being on your show. And to all our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to join us again next week for another reason why middle age can be your best age, and it's up to you and me to make it so. Bye for now. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 